Welcome to the Strategy with Jason podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining another episode of Strategy with Jason. Today, I have a very special guest. For the second time, he's not in his car, so I'm excited. No, I'm just kidding. It was good. I have the one, the only, the oh-so-famous Mr. Duran Cage with me. Duran, what's up, man? How you doing? What's going on, Jason? I will say I'm, I'm so thankful that I'm not in the car because that was crazy. You know, hat on, hair sticking out. Of you know what, my though? Ear. You were like ready to go. You're like, look, uh, I'm, I'm waiting to get a haircut. No, I think it was your son was getting a haircut and he was inside. And I think you were up next or something. You're like, it doesn't matter, though. You asked me to be on the podcast. I'm on the podcast. It doesn't matter what's going on. I'm here. Let's do it. So. <laughs> That's it, was, it, man. No it, excuses. Though. It was good. Thank it was a. So it was much. a lot of fun, and I'm glad to be able to do a uh, second round with you. We have some super cool topics uh, that we're going to cover today. Some very timely topics that we're going to cover today. Uh, but hey, Dran, for everybody out there that's watching, listening right now, and maybe don't know who you are or kind of your background and how you got started in the industry, you know, I love kicking off all these podcasts with a little origin story because, I, of course, I'm always super fascinated too is, you know, how did you get started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry? Yes. So, we'll, you know, we'll pick up from the last time you and I talked, which is so cool. Um, But it started back in 2002 in Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, when my best friend, Casey, uh, his father owned a dealership, and we sold there, uh, sold Dodge, you know, when I was 17 years old. So fast forward, you know, I went to college and when I graduated worked for Chrysler known now as Stellantis, if I'm saying that right. Yep. Um, and so they moved me out to Memphis, Tennessee back in 07 as a district manager. And I hopped right back into retail after one year biting at the bits crazy in 08, you know, I always say that. And, um, <laughs> so from there, you know, really just embrace the internet, uh, BDC, online experience teams, as I call it, CRM. And fast forward to now, after being at a dealership for eight years and running the store as a GSM, then left to start consulting. And then I started my own company in 2018, you know, went out there and just hopped on the road and just started uh, just pouring into dealerships without it being another company's agenda. Really, it's just focusing on helping the dealerships grow. So doing that as a consultant, uh, trainer, and also as a coach. And we are so thankful that you decided to do that. And, and you know, yes. I still, yes. every time you. I get a chance to talk to you, I still get a, it's a kick to me that we started literally at dealerships right across the street from each other. And in, 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 in of all places of Albuquerque, New Mexico, I mean, we, we were buying steak and bean burritos from the exact same burrito truck. Um, and we didn't even know each other at the time. But it, it cracks me up. I always think it's so much fun. And of course, any opportunity I get to reminisce about the usage of green chili with somebody is I'm I'm always down for it, man. So you too, good, man. My to stomach's rumbling too. You're killing me. <laughs> well, just people out there don't understand the beautiful thing that is green chili, and that it literally goes on every single food you could possibly do. That if anybody out there watching, listening, if you're in New Mexico. You know what I'm talking about. If you have not visited New Mexico, you got to go check it out. It is an amazing, an amazing place. And you will get uh, into the culture that is green chili. (laughs) Hey, hey, Duran, we got some cool topics, man. Uh, I love this first one because obviously it's just, it's just so timely, right? I mean, we're, it's a crazy time to be in the automotive industry. There's, we're, we're getting hit with so many different things. 
some cool, some maybe not so cool, but I'd love to kind of get your take on just what the current status of the automotive industry is. Yeah, so it's it's interesting with the current state of the automotive industry, I feel like it's rewarding dealers in a massive amount if they're really brilliant at some of the basic fundamentals of running a dealership. Yeah. And so I say that because let's give an example of inventory, right? So we know that inventory has been crazy. 2021, it's a wrap. And I think 2022, as it sits, could be very similar. However, there's dealerships that got, they, they got better at their habits. And then there's some dealerships because of how well the industry was, actually their habits got worse. And so what I feel is important right now is that dealerships go back to make sure that in January they get those good habits in their business. So like one example, we saw all these, um, uh, what do you want to call it? Buying centers, you know, like that popped up a lot. That was a huge topic. Let's build a buying center, you know, let's buy a bunch of cars. Well, really and truly that should have been happening five years ago, 10 years ago, just like digital retailing, Exactly. you know, like that should have happened back in 20 way before 2020, you know? And so that's what I would say is like the current state is going to reward dealers that don't react to the market and then decide to do things. It's going to reward the dealers now and moving forward to the dealers that are already thinking about 2025 and what their business model needs to look like. No, I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of what I like to call full belly syndrome. And, you know, cause we were just talking about the holidays. So I got food on the brain now, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but, but, but you know how it is, right? Like, you know, just after, you know, your holiday meal, you're just, you're just full. You just want to sit, you want to relax. You just, you're just content with everything. And you, and you're going to do the most you, the, the best job you can not to do any additional work. Right. And right. I'm seeing that kind of happen right now. There's just a lot of dealers out there. And then there's some that are not content and they're continuing to be hungry and push the envelope. There are a lot that are just like, I'm satisfied. I've made more money this year than I've ever made before. I did it with a third or half of the staff that I would normally do. And they're just so focused right now on what the, what's going on immediately that they're not planning. They're not looking, you know, for the next, you know, 12, 24 months, you know. Uh, but then I think there's some that are. So what I like to do is I actually like to jam a little bit about some of the ones that you have seen, some of the dealers that you're, maybe you're working with or that you know all right, that are doing a great job of being proactive right now, when I think a lot of people are just being reactive. What does it look like to be proactive in the industry right now? I would say, and this is, you know, we were talking about this for a little bit uh, before we went live, but one of the things that uh, one of my best clients is doing to be proactive is, is really mastering the art of being present with the customer immediately. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by this is we, we get really excited when somebody came on the lot what did our managers always tell us on the lot? It was like, Hey, get out there, greet them fast, exactly. be quick. You know, and we, we, we worked on that. Then the internet comes and it became response time. You know, response time was really huge, you know, get them, get, make sure it's fast. But now it's about how are we engaging with those customers that are online live, you know? So in terms of talking about live chat, so with one of the stores that's combining, you know, this whole digital retailing, and then also providing a live chat to where they can just engage with the customer online. It's kind of like you're beating them before you get to that. We want the lead and let's just engage with our customers. Let's just have a conversation online. Like why, why are we not when a customer gets on our website, why are we not greeting them there? You know? And so that's one of my clients, what we're doing is just, we're actually having like a virtual greeter, you know, that somebody, when they come online, 
you know, hello, I'm here. I'm actually real. I'm not AI. (laughs) Nothing wrong with AI. So I don't want anybody blasting me, but a real person that's virtually greeting the guests that come in because what a lot of dealerships we forget is all those thousands of people that are online that don't even convert because we're so focused on the leads that came in, but we don't really discuss the leads that did not because those customers didn't want to be leads, but imagine if we just engage with them. So that's what I would say is, you know, my, my, the best that I'm seeing is a high personalization at all areas throughout the business, but online interacting with people before they have to actually have a conversion. And then also utilizing video as well throughout that process, like offering a quick live chat and just saying, I'm here because now that zoom and what we're doing is the new norm embracing video, but taking it what taking it a step further from just recording a video and sending it to somebody that's great. But now it's, you know, asking customers, how do you want to communicate? Would you like to chat? Would you like to email? Would you like to do a video call? Those are the things that I'm seeing from like the top of the top of just matching innovation that's out there now, but making sure, as you were saying earlier, Jason, putting the human in it, yes. because I feel sometimes we rely way too much on technology to do what humans are set for instead of using technology to advance what human communication can do, if that makes sense. No, no, look, you're right. Look, it's it's kind of getting back to the basics. Right. It's, yeah. it's like, let's be a person. Let's be a human. You know, yes. let's actually be a person and be and be available, you know, and, and I'm with you um, in 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 the communication. Right. Like it, the conversations that we're having. Right. I'm finding a lot of the most progressive dealers that I'm talking with right now or I'm working with right now are 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 uh, focused less on leads and more on conversations, which yes. I got to be honest with you, Duran, I get jacked. I get, I get a little excited. Um, I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. sir. What'd you say? What'd you say? Wait, wait, we're actually having this conversation. Woo-hoo! Um, you know, it's like for yeah. the love of God, it's only taken 10 years, you know, to, to stop, let's stop talking about leads and let's actually start talking about real yeah. meaningful conversations. And maybe this is the dealer principal coming out in me, but you know, if you asked me back when I owned my Mitsubishi dealership, you know, would I, would I like leads or would I like conversations? Like, I gotta be honest with you, Trent, I hate leads. I, I don't like them. All right. They take a lot of time to nurture. They're very uh-huh. costly to nurture. They're very costly to obtain. Right. Like I just, I, I want to be there present at the moment. They want to have a conversation and I don't want to generally, I just want to have a real conversation. I was talking to a uh, Brian Pash earlier this morning and he used the term um, communication commerce. Yeah. And I dig that. Like, I'm like, that's right. You know? So, so how do we get, because I think there's some people out there that are already doing this, but how do we get the rest of the industry kind of on board of like, look, this is not about leads anymore. All right. It's, we have enough vendors in our industry that are lead generating, right? This is about having real meaningful conversations. Like how do we get the rest of the industry on board with this? Yeah, I would say there's, there's two, there's two parts to fix this or I don't want to say fix, but to go in this direction that we're talking about, which is getting away from that L word leads so much as I would say one at the dealership level, it's the the leadership really embracing and understanding the value of conversations versus leads. Mm -hmm. And I call it the gap, the gap in our industry, Jason is where there's a, there's a, there's a lot of leaders still that have not even experienced what it's like to work in uh, BDC or work within a CRM or an internet sales team that deals with a lot of different customers because those people do understand what you and I are talking about, about 
leads, like yeah. a thousand leads to sell 150 cars. Just do that math. Crazy. Dude, that's not what 850 people carry the one 850 <laughs> people that aren't, we're not going to sell that go carry over. So when people haven't worked in that environment, they're more focused on how many leads can we get instead of focusing on how many conversations and the conversion. And then the same thing. So that's the leaders within the dealership. And then it's the leaders outside of the dealership, the vendors, right? That we need to make sure our conversations are around engagement and conversations instead of, Hey, we generated 150 leads for you. That's a good point. How did that go? Like, well, okay. Out of the 150 leads, let, let's talk about what happened even with those, like how many of those opportunities even con- had conversations and what were those conversations like, but conversions, engagement, conversations. Those are things that I feel like a lot, a lot of us in the industry, we just have to unlearn, yes. you know, and but get away from that and focus on that higher quality metric that we're all looking for. So then that way at the end of the day, cause I know why vendors, you know, you and I both know, like I worked for a big vendor previously and that was our whole thing was, Hey, we got you a bunch of leads. So, you know, cause that was we'll like our saving them. grace to make sure that we kept getting that check. But now once you start getting to the conversations and the quality, that's a different conversation. We're now uh, talking as a partner with the dealer about what's working instead of focusing on, hey, we got you a bunch of leads. What did you do with them? So, you, so you're right on point. No, but, but you're, you're right, though. I mean, I think that either the dealers are going to have to start requiring those type of conversations and those type of reports yeah. and, and vendors. And there are great vendors out there are going to have to transition their conversation and maybe even sometimes their, their technology. I mean, look at this, look at our industry is, and I'm, I'm going to start with the core interaction for most customers and that's the website. All right. It Correct. still blows my mind. All right. That I, you have to require a first name, last name, email address, phone number. All right. A firstborn blood type and shoe size just to have a conversation with someone. Right. I mean, does that, does that blow your mind that we're still there? Yeah, it, it does, man, because it's, again, it's just using that word again. We have to unlearn what we've learned before. You know, that's what was valued in our industry before versus now what's valued is the, the overall quality, the overall conversation. And then, you, you know, you got to think about what that not only does from a customer standpoint, but really what we're talking about is what that does from an employee standpoint. Like think about the employee yes. morale that you have. You know, it's a different when you when you're looking at opportunities that way, the morale of your employees is so much greater because we're not focusing on something that's really outdated and is not something that should be measured on, you know, a daily or monthly basis to make a decision as to whether if somebody's a good partner for us or not. So, yeah, I'm with you. It's just I always look at things from both sides Would the customer appreciate this. And would the employees look at this like this? And of course. of course the customers would, because like you said, <laughs> it, think about how much time it saves them. If that's not what we're requiring uh, the customer to do and confusing them with all these crazy buttons on the site and just really simplifying our business as simple as Google did with just a one search bar. So, so you're right on the money. You know what? I love the fact that you brought up Google. That's because I mean, talk about like OG. Okay. And, you know, you know, there's a funny story that goes with Google, right? You know, at the very early beginning of Google, people thought it was broken, right? (laughs) And they would actually sit there and wait for the rest of the page to load, right? Because there was only one bar. They were like, okay, now they're just, you know, because back then it was 
it wasn't one bar. It was every, it was flashing stuff. There was stuff all over the place, right? Yep. Um, but yeah, we, we need to start simplifying this. You know, we, we've attempted to do this multiple times in the past. And we talked a little bit about this before with live chat, right? Like, and we thought we were heading that direction. And I think this is a good segue because now we're going to go into internet sales and BDC. And I think live chat kind of bridges the gap right there. You know, look, yes. live chat 10 years ago, I was excited. I was stoked. I'm like, okay, we did it. We are finally going to have conversations real time with real people connecting to real salespeople. And I don't have to worry about lead generation anymore. All I got to worry about is just bettering our communication efforts. And I thought we were going to go there. I was like, this is awesome. This is great. I loved it. My own dealership at the time, we actually were doing it in-house. And then all these vendors started coming out and said, hey, look, Mr. Dealership, here's an easy button. I'll just go ahead and push that real quick and we'll handle all the live chats for you because you suck at it. Um, <laughs> and and we're going we're, we're gonna to bring you all kinds of leads. <laughs> and, and I think it just, it, it kind of messed things up. And I think that, I think that was one of the reasons why we actually had to separate a internet sales and BDC. Yeah. Uh, but now I'm beginning to see there's a line that's blurring those two departments. They're not separate departments anymore. They're they're not separate people. And I think there's an opportunity there, especially around communications, but I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Yeah. No, what you said right there at the end is, is so key, man. And if, if dealers aren't doing this in 2022 and, and after I'm telling you, they're going to get, it's going to, I'm not going to say that they'll get burned because that's, that's, there's so many facets to the business that, you know, people with repeat customers, whatever, but that internet sales and BDC combining those two, what I call it is an, it's one word and it's empowerment. Mm, I like and what I mean by this, yeah. when you empower that online team, the BDC, when you empower that online experience team to be able to do more and interact more, then it closes that gap in between the BDC and internet sales or the same thing. It could be internet sales converting over the BDC. Either way, there's this empowerment. And what I mean by empowerment, taking a step further, is why is it in 2022, if me or Jason, and this is in most cases, I'm not talking to everybody, but in sure. most cases, if you or I put in an online application because we want to speed up the process or maybe we got challenge credit and we want to find out what's going on, why is it still in 2022 that that passes from a, the person who received it to a, man, a BDC manager to let's get it over to a finance manager and then let's get it over to a sales manager for a structure. And then let's get back to the BDC representative to talk to Jason and Duran about, can we help you? That's insane. Versus what it should happen is that when myself goes online and I do a finance application that it should be instant. Like as soon as I put it in there, the, the person that communicates with me really quick should be able to explain next steps and they should be able to look at the application while they're, while exactly. I'm talking to them. Exactly. It is right off the bat. And this could be the, even to the BDC representative, I know dealers are like, he's crazy. No, I'm not. <laughs> look at your competition. And I'm not talking about dealers. Look at the Carvanas and the CarMaxes. They have people handling credit decisions and looking at credit at, and pull, pulling this stuff at a, you know, at 12, $15 an hour range. It's yes. really not, we make these layers in the dealership bigger than they're so supposed to be because people are smart. You know, BDC uh, people, the agents and the BDC managers and however the structure of the dealership is, empower your people to do more and it creates a much better experience for the customer and causes less friction on the employee. So that's what I see, you know, just buttoning up the answer to your question mm. is 
we got to get away from these different uh, silos within the dealership. And I'm not saying, you know, every dealership needs to go to like a one person, one price model. Uh, that's not what I'm, I'm saying you got, we have to do. But what I'm saying is make sure that people listening to this, look at your business. And I, I love saying this, but look at your business and just ask yourself, would you buy from you? Exactly. You know, like if you went through the experience and you had to talk to five different people to get a simple answer about an interest rate or something like that, not the cliche, we got the best available interest rates in the country. So I got you taken care. I'm talking about for real transparent. Hey, Jason, this is what we got in terms of different financing options for you. I'm looking at it right here. Boom, boom, boom. And all that is is confirmation to the customer because most of them already know the answers anyways. But that's what I would like to see more of is just that empowerment of the online sales team or the BDC team, and then way more empowerment for whoever is leading that team or the internet sales team to make it much easier for customers to buy and make it much easier for the sales team to sell. No, you're 100%. It's a mindset change. Right. Yes. Like this, this is not a, it, it, that department's responsibility or this department's responsibility or that person's response. It, the fact that we even use the word internet sells sometimes wrong, rubs me the wrong way because there's no difference, right? B between someone walking in through your physical dealership versus someone engaging you on your digital yes. dealership. All right. Th there is no bloody difference, but for some reason as an industry, we, we've kind of, we've been in this mindset to choose to, to treat these these people differently and we have different lead life cycles and we have, we, we put them through these different hoops and, and so on. And I just don't think, I mean, I think of anything that we've learned from the last 24 months is that everyone's an internet customer, sure. uh, you know, either because they choose to be, or because they had to be depending on where they're located in the world. Right. Like everybody's journey starts online. There is no difference between an online customer and a physical customer, it's it's all the same. And but what blows my mind is that we 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 treat these internet customers entirely different. The way we talk to them, like we yeah. we, we talk to someone physically in front of us, entirely different than we would ever talk to someone. Like I mean, look, if someone was in front of you, you're gonna just gonna say, "Well, do you want to buy it?" Exactly. Like we would actually have a conversation. So here's my question. Then I think drank for you because I'm, I'm I'm getting a little frustrated with this part. Right? Is 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 how do we change that mindset of, you know, look, every customer is is, is, is an internet customer, right? No matter who they are, right? And mm -hmm. we have to stop having, you know, these different processes or different structures on how we communicate with, with them. Let's actually, you know, if they're in front of you, you immediately just starting, your intent is to connect with them as a person. But for some reason, we get this internet lead to come in and we have to ask them 15 questions and, you know, we got to make sure that their credit's good before they come in. And, and you know, like, we don't, the intent is not to connect. And I'm, so I'm trying to figure out how do we break that barrier? How do we get the industry, no matter if it's on the phone or if it's over the internet or if it's in person, how do we just get a mindset around connecting with the customer? Yeah, I, I think um, <clears throat> one thing that, that, would be beneficial that I can think of right off the top of my head because it's fresh. I was reading it this morning is the, the use of emotional intelligence. You know, like I don't, you know, in our industry, I feel like we don't talk about emotional intelligence a lot. That's you know, true. like we, we focus so much on sales. I, I love what you said earlier. It was like, I almost wish we'd remove the word sales. Cause really it, it really is true because it's not just so much about sales. It's like a whole experience thing. You know, it's not just yes. sales. It's a whole, circle. And so when you think about emotional intelligence, 
and how you can study your customers, then you focus, you put your customer way before yourself. You know, like when you're asking questions, you're not asking questions for yourself. You're asking questions to help the customer and make sure that we're going down the right, I guess the right roadmap to help them and being doing it for the customer. Yes. I love it. Yeah. So just embracing that more, you know, like really when, when we're training our, our, our online teams, let's get away from just training them on how to sell, but let's train them more on how to listen, how to use science, how to use emotional intelligence. And then that way, when a uh, 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 online request comes in, we don't look at that as just a number. We look at that as a heartbeat, you know, and then we look at it with, okay, what is our emotional intelligence telling us from their text message communications, their email, and when we're talking to them on the phone, mm-hmm. what kind of customer is this, you know, and what is this customer really trying to accomplish and what would make this this experience the best for this customer because the experience for Jason and the one for Duran could be completely different on how we want the experience to go, but using your emotional intelligence, then you can know like, okay, Jason wants this to happen and he prefers to communicate this way. And Duran, he prefers this style. And this is how he likes his responses to be because this is where I'm getting my most engagement. So that's where I feel developing our people and working more on that is the thing that could help really um, benefit the industry and just how we, we assist our, our online teams and how they're going to communicate with the customers moving forward. No, I'm, I'm with you. But I think for us to get that done in the dealership, leadership needs to be on board with this. Do you know what I mean? Look, we've talked about this in the past and it all comes up from the top down, you know? And it's like, I think, I think what you said in theory is, 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 is what dealerships need to do. Right. But if we can't get leadership to actually own that and understand it, it, I mean, look, we're asking them to fundamentally change their, their approach to communications, right? We're asking them to communicate uh, with the intent of providing service, not with the intent of collecting information. Like, let, let me communicate to you in a way that brings you value, not necessarily brings me value. And I, I hate to say it, Duran, I met a lot of leadership out there. I could... I could don't know if I could honestly tell you there's a lot of leadership that has that type of my mindset. It's, it is definitely, you know, we're an industry. It's about me. <laughs> this is, here are the 15 things I need to sell you a car today. So yeah. how do we get leadership to buy into this? <laughs> I know it's a million dollar question, right? He's going in. Um, the one thing I am going to say about leadership, you know, and, and I'm sure you can attest to this as well, but, with the clients that I get the opportunity to serve and work with, I always say at the very beginning before they even work with me is that if we partner together and this thing works, it is not going to be because of Duran cage or cage automotive or anybody on my team. It is going to be because your leadership took part or hall of what I, what we're, our system is mm-hmm. and they put it into place and made it happen. They took it and made it their own and they freaking had a blast with it. It is leadership is the number one difference between my best client and my most challenged client. It's that's 100% what it is. And so what you're saying that just popped in my mind, it's like it whispered. It was like, Oh, here's one thing that it could be. And I, and I, and I I don't like to say it this way, but I think it's, it's gotta be part of the, the problem. And then also could be the solution is when you look at the pay plans for managers that run dealerships, think about it. How do we pay managers? I used to, I was a manager at a store. You ran a store. Mm-hmm. 
what 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 metric in our pay plan was geared towards leadership? You know, like what 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 KPI measures your leadership? You know, like so how many of us exactly. were doing employee surveys quarterly, you know, our own internal HR employee surveys to rate us as leadership and ask our teams what they're really wanting for us to feel like they could propel or they could do better in business. You know, so a lot of times what doesn't get tracked, measured, or incentivized or paid, it doesn't, it doesn't change. And so I, I hate to say that also oh, we're saying we've got to pay managers to become leaders. I'm not saying that, but if that's not part of our ongoing discussion, you know, uh, when in a dealership and their operations, if they don't have some kind of metric or something that they're using to judge how well their leadership is and how they can become better leaders, it's really difficult to even have a conversation about leadership because it's such a broad topic but yeah, you're you're 100 right. I mean, it circles back around to leaders. But my challenge today would be to the the managers and the leaders listening to this is that how do you quantify that? Like how how do you determine if your leadership skills is really working or not? And the only thing I can think of is testing, surveys, feedback, lots of feedback. Even in a real one on one, if you don't want to do a survey, most people will tell you. You know, most sure. salespeople in the industry. I've had some tough conversations where like my, I was, you know, you go to the top and I asked one of my top guys one time and said, Hey, you know, you know, or lady, you know, how, how do you feel that I'm doing? You know, like, and I remember one dude was just like, dude, you're horrible. Like all you do is complain. You talk about what you want. You focus all on appointments all day long. Tell us that we're going to get fired if we don't TO. He's like, that doesn't make us feel better. And, and that's yeah, when, that's what they're, being you know, man, like when you start listening, that's when it, that's like the first step in the leadership is just to listen. So I'm not going to go off a tangent on that because I'm not saying I've got the leadership thing fixed out or uh, 100% on point. I'm not, you know, a John Maxwell or anything like that, but we all, because we're all leaders in one way or another, but it's just, we all have to challenge ourselves and ask, how are we, as a leader, you know, well, what, what questions can we ask to our, to our employees to make sure that we're doing the right things. And then that's how you can ask your employees, same thing, yes. or you can tell employees what you could need from them, but it's always much better when we find out what they need from us first. But you know what though? I think you're onto something, Duran. Like I, I, I would rather um, reward monetarily. All right. My management based on their leadership skills um, it's one thing that we've always, we don't do a necessarily great job of in our industry, right? We reward on results, not efforts. Yes. And, and, and you think about it, you know, professional sports, for example. All right. Like the, the goal is to leave everything on the field, right? We, we, we give it our all regardless of what the results are. Right. We trained practice, practice, practice. All right. And then we go execute in the best way possible. And, you know, I, I think some of the best coaches I've ever met in the auto space, out of the auto space, all right, they reward people on the, res, on the efforts, not the results, all right? Like, they're excited when they see someone leave it all out there. Like, you did it your all, right? The, the results may not have been there, but you gave 110% of every talent and ability and strategy and effort you had behind it. Right. And I just yeah. think as an industry, we haven't done that. So I think it's really hard. I mean, and also think right now is just leadership in general has changed so much in the last 24 months. You know, I've been speaking to a lot of leaders, you know, their, their role as a manager is, is more leadership than it is. I would say manager. I mean, think about the word manager, right? Like you're managing 
someone or you're managing something. You know, hopefully you're managing the process. You're letting the process manage the people, not the, the other way around. But there are still people that yeah. are managing people. All right. But but I don't even think it's a bad word to use. All right. Because, you know, I mean, I'm looking at these leaders and the conversations that they're having. Look, there's conversations around mental health. Mm-hmm. All right. There's conversations around, you know, overall family health. There are, there are legitimate concerns that, you know, I don't think as managers we were ever prepared for. Look, we're in an industry, all right, of suck it up, buttercup, and check it out the fucking door. That's it. That's it. Right? So so as I, I'm with you, I actually want to change the word manager. I almost want to just erase it from my brain because I think yeah. we, we need leaders now more than we ever, than we need managers but but how can you lead through you know times like this? You, like I said, you have you have the pandemic, you have inventory yeah. crisis. There's just so much going on. You know how can we lead through you know an inventory crisis or COVID or any of that stuff right now? Yeah, so I, I would say right off the bat, I would go airport mode or air, airport airplane mode. You know, <laughs> they they tell you do what you know, put the mask over yourself first before you can go ahead and start helping others. And I would say as leaders, it's the same thing. So some of the best leaders that you see out there, like when you, you know, you get to hear these Brian Ben stocks and all these other great leaders are so many Brian Kramer. I don't want to leave out. I'm not going to go down a long list, but there's a ton of, there's way more leaders now in the auto industry. I want to make it clear way more leaders in the industry now than I think there's ever been, but you're right, Jason, it's a different style of leadership now, like the compassion and empathy that they need to have is huge. But I would, again, circling back is, to lead right now in some of the environments and what we've gone through, even with a great year of 2021, there's still a lot of issues, you know, and they say more money, more problems. It's true. There's some people that probably made a lot of money and didn't know what to do with it and maybe had some bad habits. You never know. Right. And so, because a lot of us don't get taught what to do with money, you know, that's that's not in high school where they say, okay, here's what you do with your dollars. So, what I would say is just, you know, just making sure that leaders are taking care of themselves first. You know, they're reading, they're taking care of their, their, their mental health themselves, their body and spirit. And then it's easier to carry over to everybody else to help them lead. Because the worst thing that we can do is kind of like as parents, you know, we do, you know, do as I say, (laughs) not as I do. And so leaders are the same way we can't do, you know, do this, but don't, you know, obviously I'm not doing that, but you need to make sure you do that. So that's one of the best ways as leaders, just put the mask on, you know, make sure you're investing in yourself, reading, staying innovative, you know, being positive, leading great, great meetings. And then your team will, will be more willing and able to embrace what you have to say as a leader, because I've been that leader that was like, you know, that was telling everybody what you need to do and this is what needs to happen, but I wasn't doing none of it, like not a single thing. And that's when the people don't actually, we don't get the results from them is because behind the scenes, they're kind of like, well, he doesn't even do half this stuff that he's talking about doing. (laughs) And so that's where, you know, again, taking care of yourself, you know, taking care of your own mental health, you know, taking care of your own family, making sure that you're working the right hours, you know, that'd be a whole podcast in itself, no the hours that we that we work in a dealership, but just taking care of yourself first as a leader and then transcending that on over to the rest of the team would be one of the best things that I would say, because we got to take care of ourselves first. And, and you know what? I think the, the, that prepares you from going from management into leadership. 
And, yeah. you know, I was just thinking as I was listening to you, I guess I don't want to necessarily remove the word management because I still think there are times that we do have to manage a process. Um, yeah. But I do think, you know, times like now, all right, with as many things that are hitting us, you know, coming off on a wonderful year, making more money than we know what to do with, um, inventory crisis, um, COVID, I, I think more now that you do, you know, if you are a manager, you do need to step and be a leader, right? Yeah. And, and you, you do almost need to be more of a leader right now than I think you, you necessarily need to be a manager, but you got to balance them out. Man, we've we've covered some seriously cool topics here. You know, just what's going on from communications, to internet sales, and PDC, and just overall leadership. And I still think there's a lot more uh, conversation to be had here. I know it's getting towards the tail end of our time, but before I, I let you go, Duran, um, I definitely think there are some people out there watching and listening right now that would love to continue maybe some of this conversation with you. What what's the best way to connect with you? Um, so let's, if you want to connect with me, you, we've got to do a podcast like Jason and I just, no, I'm just joking. No, they can, um, they can just, you know, if you just Google Duran cage or, uh, you can go to cageautomotive.com. Uh, that would be the easiest way I'm on social media, uh, on LinkedIn, Facebook, places like that. So that would be the easiest way. And, and look, we, we talked a lot on this call about conversations and that's exactly what um, I'm more than happy to do with anybody. It's like, it's not a sales pitch or anything like that. It's just conversations. Because I think one thing that, yeah, I know you have this in your heart, Jason, and I do as well, uh, which is why I love to connect with you. And I hope we have way more shows, oh, especially sure. when I'm at a, in my office, you know, I'm not in a car with hair sticking out of my ears, but, um, but definitely I think we all want to see the auto industry just get better each day, one day at a time. Like, you know, and I love all the, the, the people that are in the business now, like I'm, I've collaborated with more people in the last 18 months than I would have ever imagined because so many people were all trying to create the best version of the automotive industry. And it's working, man. It's getting better and better. So I'm so thankful for this show, this podcast that you have, because it brings so much value to uh, not only the dealers, but anybody at that dealership. And the fact that this episode, even customers could listen to it. And I think they would be like, wow, like, the auto industry is really like, you know, they're, they're on to something. They really value their people. So sorry for taking a long answer to answer no. short question. Just Google or find me that way. But yeah, man, it was great. Thank you so much for having me on. It's, it's always a blast to, to connect with you, Jason. Uh, Duran, this was a lot of fun. And I do encourage everyone out there watching and listening, you know, reach out to Duran. You know, I mean, like, I, I, you're like me. We make ourselves available, maybe sometimes more than we should. Um, yeah. but we just, we got a passion for this. Like we love this, 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 this crazy uh, island of misfit toys that we call the automotive industry has, has blessed us with so much. And we, we just, we just have a drive just to give it back and just to see it propel and go in the direction that we, we know we can. I mean, I know we're talking about the purchase of a car, but we get excited about these things. So you know, th thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me. This has been a lot of fun. You have yourself an amazing day. You too, Jason. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to the Strategy with Jason podcast with your host, Jason Harris. Don't want to miss new content? Be sure to check out the full podcast library at strategywithjason.com to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Happy podcasting.